11. E2 outside ones are longer than the central one. The two outside strips are left at their full width from the head downwards to a distance of 2 or 3 inches from the other end, from which point they are cut away, very much as one would cut away the divided nib of a quill pen, so that the actual tips of these two strips are quite slender, being no broader than their thickness. These two ends are tied together with fine vegetable fiber, the center strip, which is generally narrower than the other two at its commencement by the head is further reduced in width by a more immediate and gradual process of paring down, and so becomes a very slender vibrating tongue or reed, the tip of which goes almost up to, but does not quite reach, the point at which the tips of the two outer strips are bound together, a hole is bored through the solid head, and through this hole is passed a thick string of native make from 5 to 10 or 12 inches long, secured at one end by a knot on the flat side of the head, to keep the string from slipping out and having at the other end a large, rough, ornamental tassel. The tassel is generally in part composed of the untwisted fibers of the string itself, but to these is added something else, such as a bunch of feathers, or two smaller bunches of feathers, and among these may be seen such miscellaneous articles as a fragment of dried up fruit, or a part of the backbone of a fish. For playing the instrument, they place its tail end, with the hollow side inwards, to the mouth holding the extreme tip of that end in the fingers of the left hand, and keep the tongue of the instrument in a constant state of vibration, by smart, rapid, jerky pullings of the tasseled string. The flute is merely a small simple instrument made out of a small bamboo stem, with one or two holes bored in it. All these instruments are played by both men and women, but the Jews' harp and flute are regarded only as toys. I believe the Mafula people occasionally sing at dances to the beating of the drums, but this is quite unusual, and they never sing to the music of the Jews' harp or flute. Both men and women sing, generally several or many together, not so often alone. Their songs are all very simple, and are chiefly sung in unison or octaves. I was told that they sometimes accomplished simple harmonies, the notes of which may simultaneously rise or fall either with the same or different intervals or may rise and fall in contrary motion, or the harmony may be produced by one man or part of the group sustaining a note, whilst another changes it, and I myself heard an example of the latter of these, and also heard singing in which, while a group of men were singing the same simple air, some of them were occasionally singing one part of it, whilst the others seemed to be singing another part, thus producing a very simple catch or cannon. I am not, however, quite certain as to this. Their songs are both cheerful and plaintive, but the latter predominate, and are mainly in the minor key. The subjects of their songs are generally sentimental love, and include ditties by young men about their sweethearts, and I believe that some of their songs are indecent, though I am not sure of this. They also have warlike songs, and, when a special event occurs, songs are often composed with reference to it. For example, not long ago a chief was taken by the authorities to Port Morrisby and died there, and songs about this were sung all through his district. Anyone will compose a topical song, in fact, a man will begin singing one in the Amon, making it up as he goes on, and the others will join. The men had a very pretty custom of singing together very softly when at the end of the day they had retired to their Amon, and have lain down to sleep, the singing being very gentle, and producing what I can only describe as a sort of crooning sound, like a lullaby or cradle song. I once heard one of these songs sung by my carriers the last thing at night as they lay beneath the floor of the building in which I was sleeping, and the effect was absolutely charming. As an example of Mafulu music I give the following, which, though not, I fear, 
quite accurate, is I think a substantially correct version of the music of a war song sung by the Mambuel and Shiva communities in connection with joint hostilities by them against another community, and I have so far as possible added the song itself. First verse, E, 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 Siva Mambuel Jujuolo Mu Jekyll Second verse, E, 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 it will be observed that the first line is whistling only. I was informed that it is a common practice to whistle the air before singing the first verse, though I did not gather that it was always done. It will also be noticed that simple harmonies occur in the fourth and fifth bars. I cannot say whether the two parts in the music are sustained or taken up by the voices upon any defined scheme. And, if so, what that scheme is, nor can I say whether the voices which take the lower notes in the music are silent after the word low, or repeat that word in the sixth bar, with or without the upper voices, in order to bring the tune to a full close. I have only given two verses, and, as regards the song in question, I doubt if there were any more. Unfortunately I am unable to translate the words, and can only give the meanings of the following, e, 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 are merely meaningless exclamatory sounds such as we had in civilized songs. Shiv was the name of a Fluge community close to the mission station, being, in fact, the one referred to by me in my chapter on communities. Manbuel is the name of another of these communities, further away from the station, being, as stated in my introductory chapter, the name of the community from which the name of Fulu arises. I cannot give verbal explanations of any of the other words, but I may say that a rough translation of the second verse is, my village. Your village is alike or equal. Dancing. The Mafula people, like other New Guinea natives, are fond of dancing, and indulge in it extensively, especially in connection with feasts and ceremonies. Their dancing is of an exceedingly active and lively character. The movements of the feet are lively and jumping, often half a hop and half a run, and, whilst dancing, their heads are actively moving backwards and forwards and to both sides. The general progressive movement of a dancing party is slow but not a crawl, and the progress along the village enclosure is usually accomplished by a series of diagonal advances, by which they zigzag backwards and forwards across the enclosure, and in this way gradually travel along it. Very often the dancers divide themselves into two parties, which in their zigzag progress alternately approach and recede from each other. The dancers are always facing in the direction in which at that moment they are moving. Men and women never dance together, except at the big feast where they do so in the way already described. This method of dancing is in striking contrast to that of the Mako people, whose movements are generally very gentle and slow. Those of the feet, which are accompanied by a corresponding genuflexion, downwards and outwards, being a slow slight step, usually barely more than a shuffle, the feet being hardly lifted off the ground, and those of the head being confined to a slow and sedate backwards and forwards nodding. Also the progress of a party of Mako dancers is generally very slow. A crawl, so much so as often to be barely perceptible. Perhaps two or three inches being accomplished at each step. And the line of progress of a dancing party is usually a straight line down the village enclosure, and more commonly, though not always, the position of each dancer is sideways to the then actual direction of progression. And in Mako women and men often dance together in one group. Another difference between Mafulu and Mako dancing is that among the Mafulu, though the drum beating and dancing go on simultaneously, the singing, in which all the dancers and non-dancers of both sexes join, does not usually take place during the actual dancing, but only during periodic pauses, 
in which the drum beating and dancing cease, whereas in Mako the drum beating, dancing and singing all go on continuously and simultaneously. As regards these mafula pauses in the dancing, I should explain that these are quite distinct from the resting pauses in which there is neither drum beating, dancing, nor singing which are customary both among the Mafulu and the Mako people. A further difference arises as regards the dancing decorations. Both Mafulu and Mako natives have elaborate high framework head feather decorations, which are worn by some, but not necessarily all, of the dancers, and they are much ornamented about their bodies, but the Mafula people generally wear their finest and most beautiful feathers on their backs, whereas among the Mako natives the head ornament is the chief feature of the decoration, and in Mako any man who has not a framework head decoration generally has sticking in his hair a tall, upright feather which sway slowly backwards and forwards in response to the slow nodding movements of his head. The special dancing ornaments worn by the Mafulu are the aprons worn by women, the ribbons worn by men and women, the forehead ornaments worn by men, the long shell nose ornaments worn by both, and the huge head feather erections. But for dances the people generally wear all the decorative finery they possess or are able to borrow, and they usually with special care paint their faces in various colors, and their bodies red. The comparison above given between the dancing of the Mafula people and that of the people of Mako brings me to a suggestion, made to me by Father Clauser, that the Mafulu mode of dancing had its origin in an imitation of that of the Red Bird of Paradise, and the Mako mode in an imitation of that of the Garoptigen. In support of this suggestion he gave me the following information concerning the dancing of these birds, which may be compared with the description given above of the dancing of the Mafulu and Mako natives respectively. The movements of the red birds of paradise, when dancing, are remarkably lively, the birds hopping and jumping about the tree branches and from branch to branch, and bobbing their heads backwards and forwards and from side to side, almost as though they had gone mad. The progression along the branches is fairly rapid, but there is not apparently any continuous line of progression in any given direction, and the birds seem to have a curious way of approaching and receding from each other as they do so. The birds always face in the direction in which they are at the time moving, and do not dance sideways. Moreover, the dance is an alternation of wild dancing and intermittent pauses, and during the dancing both the males and females are silent, but during the pauses they are uttering their songs or cries. The dancing movements of the Garoptigians are a gentle slow shuffle, and are accompanied by a slow bowing or nodding of the head. The progressive movement is exceedingly slow, and is always a continuous one in the same direction and it is usually a sideways movement. The dancing and accompanying cooing of the pigeons go on continuously and simultaneously, and the rhythm of the latter is curiously like the more usual rhythm of the Mako drums. I had unfortunately never had opportunities of observing the dancing of either of these birds, and so cannot personally vouch for the correctness of the above descriptions of them. But Father Clauser has often watched them, and he is undoubtedly a careful observer, upon whose testimony we may rely and I may add that my efforts since my return to England to obtain evidence, confirmatory or otherwise, of these descriptions have produced confirmation of some of the facts stated, and have not produced any contradictions. Then again attention must be drawn to the fact that the magnificent feather decoration of the bird of paradise is mainly upon or springing from its back or body, whilst the Garoptigen's sole projecting decoration, and perhaps its chief beauty, is the crest upon its head to which the Mako single upright head feather may be likened. My efforts to obtain light from native sources upon this question of imitation in Mafula were fruitless, 
as the natives question knew nothing of it, and on my return from Mafuli to the coast I did not again pass through the Mako villages, but on reaching the coast I made further inquiries upon the subject from the fathers there of the mission, and obtained three interesting pieces of information. First, I was told that the Mako clan in Nali of the Mako village or Europatna, whose clan badges the Garapijan, and who are not allowed to kill and eat it, and whose bird totem it appears to be, say that they are descended from the Garapijan, and that an ancestor of theirs, though himself a man, had all the powers and faculties of movement of those birds, and that he used to dance with them, and so learned to dance and taught it to his people. Unfortunately no inquiry had been made as to the question of any imitative character in their present dancing, and the information only emanated from a particular clan with a particular association with the bird. I therefore do not attach a new general importance to this case. Secondly, I was told that the Pakout people, whose dance is practically the same as that of the Mako people, themselves say that their dancing is an imitation of that of the Garapijan. This certainly tends to support Father Clauser's suggestion as regards Mako. Thirdly, some natives of Kuni, who are undoubtedly very similar and closely related to the Mafulu, and whose dancing is very similar to that of the latter, were questioned on the subject in my presence, and under my direction. The question put was, when Kuni people are dancing, are they in their dance imitating anything, and if so what? No mention or suggestion being made of a bird or of anything else. The answer was that they were imitating the dance of the Golola, which I was told was not the red bird of paradise but was another small species of that bird with a yellowish-white body, yellow head and yellowish-white wings. The leading question was then put to them, whether they were sure the bird was the yellow one described by them, and not the red one, which question was answered definitely in the affirmative, and subsequently, when, in order to test their definiteness and certainty in what they had told me, I showed them a few postcard pictures of birds of paradise, which included the red one and others but not one such as is above described, and almost invited them to recognize one of these as being the bird they meant. They were firm in their insistence that the bird to which they referred was not shown in any of the pictures. This, I think, helps to support Father Clauser's suggestion as regards the Mafulu, subject of course to the question of the variety of bird of paradise which is imitated, dealing with this question of imitation as a whole and taking into consideration the apparently marked similarities between the dancing of the two tribes of natives and the two genera of birds, and the further element, perhaps not so strong, as to the similarities in distribution upon the bodies of their decorations, and bearing in mind the evidence obtained from native sources, which, though obviously only fragmentary and insufficient in character, is so far as it goes distinctly confirmatory. I am impelled to suggest that Father Clauser's theory is not without foundation, and indeed amounts, subject to the question of the species of bird of paradise, to a very substantial possibility, and it is undoubtedly an interesting one. Toys and games. The Mafula children have neither dolls nor other toys, and do not make cats cradles. The young boys amuse themselves with small bows and arrows and spears, which they make themselves. One common sport is for the boys armed with their spears, to stand in a row and for another boy to roll in front of them a ball, made out of the root of a banana tree, with its many rootlets intertwined, and for the boys to try to hit it with their spears as it passes them. A similar game is played in Mako and on the coast, but there the ball is often made out of the outer fiber of a coconut. Small boys and girls amuse themselves with glissading down the steep grassy slopes. There is also a sort of fighting game for boys, in which young men sometimes join. 
a number of them divide themselves into two opposing groups, all armed with little darts, made of reeds on which a few leaves are left at the head ends, and these two groups mutually attack each other, advancing and retreating, according to the fortunes of the fight. Boys, and men also, play at tug of war, using long canes for ropes, and boys and girls had swings, constructed either by looping two flexible rope-like tree stems together at the bottom, or with a single rope, with a loop at the bottom, in which to place their feet. But there are no racing or jumping or gymnastic games, and no group or singing children's games. Chapter XV Counting, Currency and Trade Counting. Mafula counting is accomplished by the use of two numerals one and two and of the word another and of their hands and feet, and with these materials they have phraseology for counting up to twenty as follows, one fit a one, two gate do two, three gate do minda two and another, four gate do ta gate do two and two, five gate do ta gate do minda two and two and another or bodo fit a one hand, six gate do ta gate do ta gate do two and two and two. 7 gate do ta gate do ta gate do minda 2 and 2 and 2 and another or bodo fit a ta gate do 1 hand and 2. 8 gate do ta gate do ta gate do ta gate do 2 and 2 and 2 and 2 or bodo fit a ta gate do minda 1 hand and 2 and another. 9 gate do ta gate do ta gate do ta gate do minda 2 and 2 and 2 and 2 and another or bodo fit a ta gate do ta gate do 1 hand and 2 and 2. 10 bodo gate do 2 hands. 11 bodo gate do few minda 2 hands and another. Note the V at the end of gate do. The full word is really gave to, but it is shortened to gave do, unless the next word is a vowel. Also note that you, there are two words for, and, namely ta and in, the, you, here is the unshortened, and put instead of ta for euphony. 12 bodo gave do ta gave do two hands and two. 13 bodo gave do ta gave do minda two hands and two and another. 14 bodo gave do ta gave do ta gave do two hands and two and two. 15 bodo gave do ta jilvery fit two hands and one foot. 16 bodo gave do ta jilvery fidere uminda two hands and one foot and another. Note the n at the end of fida. The full word is really fidan. And the n is introduced here for euphony. 17 bodo gave do ta jilvery fida ta gave do two hands and one foot and two. 18 bodo gave do ta jilvery fida ta gave do minda two hands and one foot and two and another. 19 bodo gave do ta jilvery fida ta gave do ta gave do two hands and one foot and two and two. 20 bodo gave do ta jilvery gave do two hands and two feet. As regards these numerals it will be seen that in some cases alternatives are given, whilst in other cases, where corresponding alternatives would appear to be equally applicable, they are not given, the reason is that in these latter cases the alternatives do not in fact appear to be used, there is no numerical phraseology to indicate any number above 20, and in the ordinary affairs of life. Although numeration can be carried in this cumbrous way up to 20, they rarely use the numerals beyond 10, and anything over that will be referred to as tail, 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 tail which may be translated, plenty, 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 plenty. Important counting, such as that of pigs at a feast, is accomplished by the actual use of the hands and feet. The fingers stretched open mean nothing, closing down the thumb of the right hand indicates one, Closing down also the first finger of that hand indicates two, and so on with the other fingers of the right hand, till you reach the closing down of the thumb and all the fingers of the right hand, which indicates five. Then, keeping all the right hand closed, they begin with the left hand also. Closing down only the thumb indicates six, and so on as before, until the thumbs and all the fingers of both hands are closed, which indicates ten. Then they go to the feet. They keep both hands closed and together, 
and with the right fist they point to the toes, beginning with the big toe of the right foot, and so along the other toes of that foot, and then go to the big toe of the left foot, and so along the other toes of that foot, thus reaching the enumerative total of 20, they do not, when wishing to indicate a number, simply place their fingers and hands and feet simultaneously in the requisite position for doing so, they always go through the whole process of finger and toe counting from the beginning, for example, to indicate 8, they turn in the thumb and all the fingers of the right hand, and afterwards the thumb and two fingers of the left hand, separately, and one alter another, until the right position is reached, and similarly as regards numbers over 10, they solemnly turn down all the fingers one after another, and then point to the toes one after another, until they get to the right one for indicating the desired number, when the fingers and toes of the person counting are exhausted, he has recourse to those of another person, if he wishes to count further, although he has then passed the limit of numerical phraseology, for the purpose of counting big numbers they are always sitting, and as in counting they exhaust hands and feet, the latter are put together, if, for example, they reach 80, there are four men sitting, with all their hands and feet crowded together, and if the number be 83, there is also a fifth man with a thumb and two fingers of his right hand closed up, sometimes a number above 10, but not over 20, is indicated with the hands only by counting up to 10 in the ordinary way, and then opening all the fingers and counting again, until they reach the requisite amount in excess of 10. I do not think it can be said that these people have in their minds any real abstract idea of number, that all events beyond 20, each finger turned down and tote want to, in succession, seems to represent to their minds the article e.g. a pig which is counted, rather than a step in a process of mental addition but this is a matter upon which I can only express myself in a very general way, and indeed the mental stage at which the mere physical idea of the objects counted has developed into the abstract idea of numbers would in any case be exceedingly difficult to ascertain, or even, perhaps, to define. They never use pedals or sticks or anything else of that kind, and have no method of recording numbers or anything else by notching sticks, and they have no weights or measures, currency and trade. The Mafula people had no currency in the true sense, every transaction being one of exchange, but nevertheless some specific articles, especially some of the dearer ones, can only be acquired by the offering of certain other specific articles, and certain things have definite recognized relative values for the purpose of exchange. As examples of the former of these statements, I may say that a pig used to be always paid for in dog's teeth though this practice is not now, I think so strict and that some of their finer head feather dancing ornaments and ornamental nose pieces can still only be paid for in dog's teeth, also that there is a special kind of feather ornament, composed of many small feathers fixed in a line on a string, which can only be obtained in exchange for a particular sort of shell necklace, as examples of recognized relative values, I may state that the proper payment in dog's teeth for a pig is a chain of dog's teeth equal in length to the body of the pig, the latter being measured from the tip of its nose to the base of its tail, and that the payment for the special feather ornament is its own length of the corresponding shell necklace. Exchange and barter is generally only engaged in between members of different communities, and not between those of the same community. An apparent exception to this arises in the purchase of pigs at certain ceremonies above referred to, but in this case it is really a matter of ceremony, and not one of ordinary barter. There are no regular markets such as exist in some other parts of the country, the exchange of goods being effected by one or more individuals going with their articles of exchange to some other community, 
where they hope to get what they require. The nearest approach to a market arises intermittently when there is to be a big feast. Then the community is giving, and invited to, the feast require a large supply of ornaments, especially for those who are going to dance, and probably do not possess a sufficient quantity. They therefore have to procure these ornaments elsewhere, and the natural place to go to is some other community, possibly a long way off, which has recently been in the same want of extensive ornaments for a feast, and has procured and used them, and now has them, so to speak, in stock, and will be glad to dispose of them again. Thus ornaments used for feasts are sold and resold and travel about the country very extensively. Chapter XVI Language I have been fortunate in having had some interesting and valuable linguistic material placed at my disposal for publication by Father A.D. and in having had further material added to it by Dr. Seligman and Mr. Sidney H. Ray. I have thought it better to deal with it in five appendices, and I am greatly indebted to Mr. Ray for having undertaken the laborious task of their compilation. I give the following explanation concerning these appendices. One is a grammar of the Fulsh language. The original manuscript is the work of Father Agdi. The materials from which it was prepared by him having been collected in the Mafulu villages. The appendix is Father Agdi's grammar, translated and edited by Mr. Ray. Two is a short note on the Ifo language prepared by Dr. W.M. Strong, when he was government agent in Mako, and handed by him to Dr. Seligman for publication. To this note Mr. Ray has added a footnote. Three is a note on the Covio language prepared by Dr. Strong and handed by him to Dr. Seligman. This note refers to the languages spoken in the neighborhoods of Inabarin and the Inava Valley and of the upper Lake Kamwa River, all of which were found by Dr. Strong to be somewhat similar. The footnote is by Mr. Ray. For as a comparative vocabulary, prepared by Mr. Ray, of the languages of some of the different Papuan-speaking people of the mountain districts of central British New Guinea, the words in the Mafulu column are taken from a very lengthy misvocabulary compiled by Father Agdi in Mafulu. Those in the Kambisa column were all collected by the Ref. P.J. Money in the Kambisa villages of the upper Chirama Valley during Mr. Monkton's expedition, referred to in my introductory chapter. Most of these words are taken from the New Guinea Annual Report for 1905-6, but to them have been added other words, which have been collected by Mr. Money. The words in the Corona column are taken from a NIS vocabulary prepared by Dr. Strong at Corona, also mentioned in my introductory chapter, and handed by him to Dr. Seligman. Those in the UFO column are taken from a NIS vocabulary prepared by Dr. Strong in connection with his UFO notes, to which are added in square brackets some other words taken from Father Abdi's vocabulary in Anthropos II, 1907, pages 1016-1021. This vocabulary being there called by him clouded. The words in the Covio column are taken from a NIS vocabulary prepared by Dr. Strong in connection with his Covio notes, to which are added in square brackets some Orolopiku words collected by Father Agdi, and published in Anthropos II, 1907, pages 1016-1021. As regards this column I must explain that Drive Strong's words were all collected within the districts to which his notes referred but that Father Agdi's words, though in part collected there, were, I believe, in part collected further to the east. 5 is a series of notes by Mr. Ray upon the matter contained in the previous appendices. I am perhaps open to criticism for introducing into a book of my own notes on the Mafula people such extensive material written by others, and relating to other mountain districts as well as to that of the Mafulu, 
but my belief as to the probable similarity in many respects between the Papuan-speaking natives of these central mountain districts, and the obvious value and importance of the matter which has been so kindly placed at my disposal, justify me, I think, in introducing it, and indeed I should be doing but ill service to New Guinea ethnology if I did not take advantage of these opportunities which have been offered to me. Though I am not qualified to discuss these materials from the grammatical and scientific linguistic point of view, there are a few matters to which I should like to draw attention, as affecting statements appearing in this book, and which were written by me before I received this linguistic material, regarding the question raised in my introductory chapter as to the extension of the Fluge linguistic area so far south as Corona. It will be noticed that a large number of the words in the Mafulu and Corona columns are the same or very similar, Dr. Strong, in some unpublished Ms. Notes and Drive Seligman's possession, to which I have had access, says as regards the Mafulu and Corona languages that there is nothing to show that the two languages may not be for all practical purposes identical, and Mr. Ray in his concluding notes classes Mafulu and Corona together as dialects of Fluge, the village of Sikubi, mentioned by Mr. Ray, is, I believe, on the upper Vanapa River and north of Mount Lily and so as well within the Fluge-speaking area as defined by the Fathers, concerning the Kambisa-Operchirama Valley Column, the similarity of many of the words contained in it to those in either the Mafula or the Corona Column is obvious, and it is curious that some of these words appear to resemble the Corona words more than they do those of Mafulu. I also think I may say that the similarity between Kambisa words on the one hand, and those of either Mafulu or Corona on the other, is almost equal to the similarity between Mafulu and Corona, and Mr. Ray classes can along with Mafulu and Corona as dialects of Fluge. So the statement in the introductory chapter that the valley of the Upper Chirama River is included in the Fluge area has, I think, stood the test of some detailed linguistic comparison. The note by Dr. Strong upon what he calls the Covio land, 